This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 363. Hello and welcome, everybody. I love these odd-numbered shows. We have interviews on odd-numbered shows. And man, we have a great one this week. We are the Family Gamers. As always, I'm your host, Andrew. I am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. And this week, we are joined by Happy Camper uh, Grand Pooba, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what your official title is. Jason Schneider. How are you Head doing, Camper. Jason? <laughs> head camper i like it <laughs> great to be here camper head camper all right so jason has founded a new publishing company called happy camper games and they man crushed it at pax unplugged this year i was that was a booth full of pure energy it was it was a blast it was a ton of fun and uh and we're gonna talk about all about happy camper second half of the show but first, but first, <laughs> I assume you have a fact about 363. I do. Andrew. I do. So it's episode 363. You know, based on the news that has come out in the board game sphere uh, this past week about a game called Wormspan, I have a feeling that there's a lot of gamers out there that are really passionate about Wingspan. It seems to be a, a reasonable assumption. And my fact this week is that the largest Wingspan for a bird species goes to the wandering albatross with a wingspan of 3.63 meters. Wow, that's huge. That is a very big bird. So there you go. That's my fact. Short and, and sweet on this one. 363, 3.63 meters, which is oh, a little over 10 feet. That yeah. is the wandering albatross found in the Southern Oceans. This particular one was measured on September 18th, 1965. Wow. That's real big. Anisha, you have a fact or at least a message from our sponsor. How do you know if you're ready to retire? There's the financial aspect, but don't forget about the emotional and physical aspects as well. What would you do with your time if you were retired? How many rounds of golf can you really play in a week? How are you going to stay physically fit? One way to see if you're ready for retirement and start to answer these and other questions is to take a practice retirement where you use vacation to stay at home. You're not doing anything special, just not working for a little while, which is different than the work from home we all did in the pandemic. See if you can find a rhythm that you like in your day, but also realize that you need something to do, whether that's picking up a new hobby or volunteering your time. It's hard to just sit still. Make sure your vacation is long enough that you have time to get bored with just sitting around. Be ready, though. Retirement often tests even the best marriages. As couples spend more free time together, there's often friction, which you've likely experienced some if you're both working from home. If you want help reviewing the financial part of preparing for retirement, set up a time to talk to First Move by going to firstmovefinancial.com familygamers today. All right. Thanks so much again to First Move Financial for sponsoring another episode of the Family Gamers podcast. So, Jason, at this point in the show, we're going to talk about some games we've been playing. 
I suspect you've been playing some games. Would you like to share a game that you've been having a good time with lately? Sure. I mean, well, the first game that I'm going to, that I can't mention is one that I've been testing. It would be the second Happy Camper game. So I've been working on that a lot, but um, I can't even tease it because, uh, you know, it's really tough, but (laughs) it should be out hopefully later this year, hopefully by PAX Unplugged, if not sooner. Other than that, um, we just played uh, a huge round. It was great to see the success of it with a gigantic group of um, green team wins. Oh, we love that one. So good. Yeah. So fun. We really maxed it out. I think we played with 12 players and it really worked well. So that was exciting to see it at that large scale. And the last game I'll mention is my family is actually a big Mahjong fan. So we played some Mahjong. Oh, fun. Um, Yeah. It's a kind of a family tradition over the holidays to break out some Mahjong and play it. So we did that in style. Nice. Awesome. What about you guys? All right. Anitra. Are we going straight for for guest service on this one? I, I think we are. Uh, <laughs> we've been playing a lot of trio. Uh, oh, since stop it Christmas. now! <laughs> we no, really have been playing have. a lot of it. I, I does, suspect... does blushing show through on podcasts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to actually look at what game I played the most of this year. It might be trio. I honestly I think it probably talks about trio. But yeah, we've been having a great time with that. Uh, we finally introduced our youngest to it uh the other night but our our older two kids who are 15 and 13 have been playing it a fair bit our 13 year old has a love-hate relationship with trio because when it acts like a memory game he likes it a lot because he's very good at that Mm. when it becomes very luck dependent he does not like that so much because he's expecting to win and then he doesn't (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) trio is in fact my number one played game so far of 2024 Oh my just, goodness! Just for the record. wow, you guys know how to play. Playing. You know how to play the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, but that's not the only thing we've been playing. Uh, we've been playing some of a game called Pocket Paragons, which is a two-player only game from Solus Game Studios. Mm-hmm. This is a really interesting game to me. It has shades of rock paper scissors and shades of customizable really heavily themed games like unmatched. So if you take that idea of like a dice thrown or an unmatched or another one of those big impressive games and somehow shrink it down to each player has about five cards and it's going to play in under 15 minutes. That's the best description I could give of pocket paragons. It's a very quick back and forth with lots of opportunities to just crush your opponent uh, unexpectedly. (laughs) I mean, I like the the rock, paper, scissors analogy, but I think this is more like um, rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, or one of those things with a couple of extra possibilities. A couple of extra possibilities in there. Yeah, yeah. because it's not quite as every single card is going to affect every single other card. It's not quite at that level, but it's very close. Yeah. Very close. It is, however, a super quick game. You could play a game of this in, in 10 minutes. And, you know, it's really fun that... I don't know the the box that we have has maybe six or seven different uh, characters I think eight in it or characters something like in that. It, yeah, and so there's a lot of replayability in a single box. There's a lot of different ways that you can combine for these really fast two player duels. Hmm. So. Speaking of fast games, I have uh, I have two on my list as well. The first one of these games is actually a game that has been around for a very long time. And Anitra, you and I have shockingly never played. <laughs> camel up before until new year's eve until and then new our friends showed Jason, have you played camel up i have i played it many many years ago when it first came out and i think with the year that it won the spiel this yaras mm. it is a previous incarnation of the game but still fantastic what another great group game mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i it, 
it's not that I was ever avoiding it. It's just it never really. It didn't come up. Came up, <laughs> right? And uh, we we have our New Year's Eve kind of celebration with some of our friends, and they they kind of listed four or five games, and we're like, "Which one do you want to play?" And we're like, "Well, we've never played Camel Up," and I actually thought they might forcibly eject me from their home. No, but, it was just uh... the, well, obviously that's the game we're going to play now. If you've never right, played yes, it before, yes, yes, they yeah. made the decision. <laughs> I think we played it two or three times in a row. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty. I, I don't I don't feel the need to go out and and buy my own copy of, of Camel Up. I think I'm okay with playing it at our friend's house. But it is a fun game that I was very bad at. Does the <laughs> I, new version? I haven't played it, but does the new version have like the pyramid with the little like dice injector? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. I like, think I think the version they have is still the old version. No, oh, I don't think so. No? No, I don't think so. It's had the new art on the front. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah right. It kind of poops out dice when you push a little yep. bit. Yep. Yeah, it's a <laughs> great little mechanism. <laughs> and then my other game, another fast game. Even uh, faster. Even faster. And this is a game from Floodgate. Is it Floodgate? It's Floodgate. Floodgate games called Skyrockets. This is, Anitra tells me this is like Kites. I never played Kites, so I don't really know. But uh, Skyrockets is this game where you are trying to link cards together i don't i don't know anitra is going to do a better job of explaining <laughs> this game than i am <laughs> you the theme is that you're setting off fireworks yes and every time you set off fireworks you flip the matching colored timers um so you want to keep flipping the colored timers so that none of them ever run out which that part sounds just like kites the difference in Skyrockets is that one of those timers is on a little track where it needs to flip over like three or four times to reach the end of the track. That timer is on different rules. You are only allowed to flip it over if you play a card when it has run out. Hmm. And when you get it to its final spot, you've reached the end of the game and you've won. So hmm. the thing that's tricky about this game is that every card that you play has two colors on it, yeah. which means you're flipping two timers. So you might be saying, okay, well, the purple timer is about to run out. I need to play a card that has purple on it, but you're going to have to flip something else at the same time as well. And whatever that other thing is that you flip, maybe you don't want to flip that one quite yet. So you're flipping it over from having, I don't know, 15 seconds left to only having five seconds left. And mm. so you're, you're kind of in trouble when you do that. And it really requires a lot of fast movement around the table because you are still taking turns. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a real time game, but you yes. still have to take turns around the table, yes. which makes it weird. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that is Skyrockets from Floodgate. And the way that they've made this replayable is that there's a deck of like 40 scenarios or something like that, which are set at up least 30 slightly yeah. differently every single time. And so you're trying to accomplish whatever the thing is that you know, they've set up for you. And we played like the first one and we still kind of mostly barely made it. So. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to you, uh, it was your first time playing, but we played scenario two. Oh, there's I like see. a there's a scenario one, which is the first one, but then there's also kind of a introductory scenario zero. Mm -hmm. And we didn't show you that; we just dumped you in on scenario oh, well, two. Well, I mean, still, there's whether there's twenty eight or twenty nine more <laughs> after it that uh, yeah. presumably get a little bit more difficult. I don't think that's that much of a you know, but um, that's a very frenetic game. You know, I mean, we mm. played games like Fuse and Flatline and stuff like that. And this one feels more panicky to me than those. I think it's in part because it ends up being a shorter game. Mm -hmm. Like those timers are really short. And instead of a game like Fuse, where you have a bunch of really short rounds, this is basically one slightly longer round. And that's the game. Mm. Yeah, I also <laughs> think you that, or not. You, you, to a degree, like... 
it feels like some things are out of your control, right? Because you, yeah. you can control for the one timer that you know you need to flip, but then the other one is just whatever you've got in your hand, yeah. you know, is, is what it is. And, and that loss of control makes it feel a little bit more unnerving. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for anybody who has played kites before, that will sound very familiar. The difference is that Skyrockets is both more challenging because it's always two rockets on a card and you have all sorts of other restrictions that you have to start playing through. Hmm. But it's simultaneously a little bit more forgiving than kites. There are three little crowd tokens that when you notice that you have failed to flip a timer in time, you get to discard one of the crowd tokens, flip the timer back over and keep going. So I like that feeling that like, yes, it's a harder game, but there's more flexibility and more allowance there for, oh, yes, you will fail sometimes. And that's OK. Mm. Hmm. Can I cheat and mention another game? Because I really hmm. want to hear Jason talk about it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so we also played more Smug Owls. Jason, have you played this game? I have not. I've heard a bunch about it. But tell me. My, my goodness. Game. Dude, you, this game. First of all, like, honestly, this is brilliant game design okay so smug owls is this game where you have three cards that well, i guess it's two cards that are fixed right it's the it's the question you have the what and the question mark the what on the and the question mark are fixed cards on the inside and then in the middle you have three decks of cards and for each round this is a very like apples to apple style game where you're going to mm-hmm. end up with a judge and someone's going to have to pick something and you flip the top card of each of these three decks and it programmatically creates some kind of question. It'll be something like, what is satisfying but empty? Mm. I mean, it could be anything, right? Because it, these these cards are... Yeah. Like, what freezes and then explodes? Yeah. So the <laughs> I second got it. and the fourth decks, I mean, they're actually the same deck. You just shuffle it up and you split them apart, right? So those cards are completely mixed. It's just the beginning, the middle, and the end, which are, you know, guaranteed to be like a, a question card, and it's always what and question mark, and then some kind of, you know, some kind of conjunction in the between. middle, yeah. Uh, and then you go into this kind of apples to apple style, where if you have an an answer, you kind of put your hand down on the table, and the last person just becomes the judge, and then you just play like ten of these or fifteen. And then, but but it's but it requires quick thinking, so you've got to come up with an answer yourself. It's not on cards, right? Right. Correct. Right. You're. Yeah. It's totally. You know, whatever you can come up with. And I don't even know how quick it is sometimes because <laughs> the remarkable thing about this game is these these questions that they ask, even though it's just randomly generated by some cards, they always sound like they're these such incredibly profound questions. <laughs> wow. You know, it's really remarkable that you know it comes out this way, and it's a really fun game for. Any type of person, if you're a deep thinker, like you could come up with some like really, really profound things. If you're just a silly kid, you could come up with some stuff that maybe it's completely random and it doesn't make any sense. And that that kid probably won't win. But all those people can sit around the same table and play a game like this, right? Sure, sure. I don't know. I don't know what you think about, about something I, like so that. So the premise sounds great. Um, I know I, I have a background in improvisational comedy. So I love these kinds of games that, first of all, are different every time because you're mixing and matching and you can come up with some really fine combinations. And then that challenge to kind of be the person who comes up with the witty answer or the one that gets the, the room to turn their head always excites me. That being said, these games are polarizing. I find uh, mm-hmm. if you are not the kind of person who enjoys 
that kind of quick on your feet thinking, um, it can really be the type of game that scares you away for a long time. <laughs> Which is why I think games like Apples to Apples are kind of brilliant because they sort of, you know, they program the comedy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you. You still get a chance to be funny and clever, but using, you know, a pre-selected script mm-hmm. uh, or pre-written script. Whereas Smug Owl sounds like it requires a little bit more on your toes. Just how quickly can you come up with that quickly? But, you know, as you said, um, who can You're spend the time? The spot. Yeah. You're on the spot. You're on the spot. Yeah. And some people just completely crumple. And I don't love games that make people feel uncomfortable because they don't, you know, they don't think they're clever enough for the rest of the group. But um, right. no, I, I mean, sounds like a game that sounds like a game that I would very much like to play. <laughs> Did you ever play Poetry Slam? I have not played that game, but I could also I also I know about that game, and I can mm-hmm. see how similarly, right? It has that. It has that similar think on your feet. Um, yes. But the other part of the vibe that's similar between the two is that it encourages the players to kind of praise each other for good answers, mm. which you don't see very often in this kind of party game. Um, in Smug Owls, what Andrew didn't mention is at the end, after the judge, you know, whoever the judge is, has listened to all of the answers to the riddle. Then they take all three of the cards that made that riddle and award them as prizes, however okay. they want. So there's a lot of like, you know what, kid, your answer was weird, but you tried hard and it made sense. And so we're still going to give you an award for that. But we can do that without saying, oh, well, you know, you're the only one getting one. It's mm-hmm. you can divvy it up however you want. And I like that as a way to make it a little bit more forgiving and a little bit more encouraging. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, even Poetry Slam had something similar. Poetry Slam had this kind of like beatnik vibe to it. So Mm -hmm. you had these snap tokens. (laughs) And the way Poetry Slam worked is you would have to come up with a rhyming couplet that described the word that you wanted other people to guess. It was really hard. Wow. Uh, Sounds hard. and, And if if you came up with a rhyming couplet that was like, or like a really good clue, you could give these snap tokens to that person and they would be bonus points at the end of the round. And if you didn't give all of your snap tokens away, you were actually penalized. So, so you had a, an impetus to reward other people. Also my favorite memory of poetry slam was my daughter's clue. I don't even remember what it was for. I remember where we were and I remember the clue and I remember we were all like, that is amazing. And that was like everybody at the table gave her. Yeah, tokens. absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. So there's definitely some similar vibes between those two games, but I don't know. I really, I think Smuggle Owls is, is something that's really interesting and unique. I, I definitely will that. be picking up a copy. It sounds mm-hmm. intriguing. All right. Awesome. Uh, Anisha, do you want to mention anything else? Uh, I think I think that's been enough. We wrote down four and ended up talking about six. So (laughs) (laughs) I think. Well, I mean, that's how we do things. Yeah, I mean, I know. It's amazing we came up with a top ten two weeks ago. I know, I know. It's always a baker's dozen with us. But anyway, all right. So what we'll do is we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear our snap review. Speaking of snaps of Sherlock 13, a clever deduction game from Arcane Wonders. And when we come back, we're going to talk Happy Camper all the time. What do you think of that? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll be right back. When you have eliminated all which is impossible, then whatever remains, however improbable, must be true. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. 
You nailed it. First try. Doyle writes as Sherlock Holmes, master of deduction, explaining to Dr. Watson, of course, his reasoning. We've talked about other Sherlock Holmes-themed games at The Family Gamers, but this is the first one where you're going to be doing just that, eliminating the impossible and deducing the truth. This is a snap review for Sherlock 13. Sherlock 13 is a deduction game for two to four players created by Hope S. Huang and published by Arcane Wonders. You can play a full game in about 15 minutes or sometimes less, and it's best for ages 10 and up. So what can we say about the art in Sherlock 13? This is a pretty small box, and there aren't a ton of components. There are four player screens, some paper sheets, and 13 cards. But wait! The player screens and the cards were illustrated by Vincent Dutrait. We love his art, especially for Victorian-era settings like this one. And like Jekyll vs. Hyde, which is one of our favorite games. The cards all have this cool silhouette on the back and one of the 13 characters on the front. Each one has two or three symbols on the bottom of the card. Four player screens are all different on the outside, too. And on the inside, they've got an illustration to show the three different actions a player can take on their turn. And that brings us into the mechanics. How do we play this game? No matter how many people you have, you start with giving each player a clue sheet and a player screen. Then, place a random card face down. This is the criminal that everyone is going to try to guess. The remaining 12 cards you'll distribute equally amongst all the players, with a small change if you have only two players. We'll get to that in a minute. Every player looks at their hand of cards and records which suspects they have and how many of each icon they have. Now it's time to start guessing. On your turn, you can take one of three actions. Investigate, interrogate, or accuse. To investigate, name a symbol. All other players must raise their hands if they have any of that symbol. But they're not going to tell you how many they have. This is just a yes or no question. And the player asking does not need to indicate whether they have that symbol. To interrogate, ask a specific player how many they have of a specific symbol. They must tell you the exact number out loud so everyone can hear. Andrew, how many light bulbs do you have? When you think you have enough information, you can accuse. Declare out loud which character you think is the criminal, then secretly check the criminal card that's face down in the middle of the table. If you're correct, you've won the game. If you're wrong, you skip the rest of your turns. Someone else can figure out the secret identity. Wait, but we mentioned earlier that this is different at two players. How does that work? At two players, you deal five cards to each player, then put three cards face down on the table. The middle card here is the criminal. The interrogate and accuse actions stay the same. You can still ask exactly how many of a symbol somebody has, but the investigate action becomes different. Instead of asking, who has any necklaces? Who has any skulls? You choose one of the face-down cards that is next to the criminal. Exchange that card with a card from your hand, which you must place face up. You can only do this exchange with a face-down card. The rest of the game proceeds as usual, but since there won't be many chances to investigate, you'll mostly be asking questions of each other of how many of a certain symbol they have. So that's how we play the game. What did we expect from Sherlock 13? Well, it's Vincent Dutrait. All of his art is great. That got us interested pretty much right away. Got to admit it. And the world of Sherlock Holmes seems like the perfect setting for a deduction game. It is a deduction game. It's a pure deduction game. And I figured after flipping through the rules that we'd be pretty evenly matched on this one. Sometimes you'd be winning. Sometimes I'd be winning. But there were some surprises. What surprised us? 
I was pretty surprised at how well the two-player variation worked. I wasn't looking forward to a deduction game with just two players. It's too easy to figure out what the other person has. But having two additional cards to work with made the choices more interesting. You can get more information than your opponent by picking up a face-down card, but you have to reveal information from your own hand in order to do that. For me, there were two things that surprised me. First, I thought the game was going to be a little bit more complicated than it is. Maybe it's the color palette and the Vincent Dutrait art, but I expected something that would have had more than basically just two things that you do on your turn. Simplicity is not necessarily bad. I mean, it does keep the game moving forward, and it does lower the potential for analysis paralysis, which is always a good thing. The other thing that surprised me about this game is just how bad I am at this game. Like I said before, I thought we'd be equal, but either you've always gotten lucky with the cards that are coming out in the multiple plays that we've had, or there's just some thread of deduction that I am just missing. Could be me. Anyway, despite that, I always feel like I can do better, or I can always feel like I can figure it out one turn faster. I I don't know. And that brings me back to the game wanting to play it more. Because it's so fast, the stakes don't feel so high, so I don't get quite as frustrated. For folks who really like deduction like me, but might find this game a little too easy? Haha! <laughs> uh, there's also a variation to make it much harder. Everyone answers the interrogate and investigate actions honestly, but without including the last card in their hand. Then you rotate the cards in your hand each round, so it becomes much harder to figure out what everyone else has. So, Anitra, do we recommend Sherlock 13? We would generally recommend this game to anyone who wants a compact and fast deduction game with a grown-up theme. It feels just a little bit like Clue, because everyone is trying to deduce the same hidden criminal using mostly the same information. But that also makes it a little bit less family-friendly than it could be. If you're playing with kids, we actually recommend games like Deducto or Dinosaur Tea Party instead. We're going to give Sherlock 13 three suspects out of five. And that's Sherlock 13 in In a a snap. snap. And we're back. We are here with Jason Schneider, and we're going to talk about all of the cool stuff he's doing, um, mostly with Happy Camper Games. Yeah, so... Okay, I guess we kind of talked about this before, so I can't talk. I can't ask you about upcoming games, which <laughs> I would love to do. I would love to have a family gamer scoop, but I won't. The I answer won't is there will be super some. put you on the spot. Although I, I guess the I guess it's not a scoop or whatever, but that that hopefully we're we're shooting for Pax Unplugged uh, at the end of the year in 2024. I'm excited for that already. Man, now I, want, I just want to ask questions about that, but I won't. <laughs> I won't pry. I won't do it. Um, but Jason, you. I don't think I'm overstating it when I say that you are a tour de force in the industry. Oh, please. I know you're going to, I know you're going to be like that, but, but I will say that obviously we as the family gamers are pretty active on, on social media. And you know, when you shared some pictures of trio at unplugged and just to see really across the industry, all the people that were just bubbling over with excitement for you and happiness for you and and seeing you you know kind of back in the space i'll let you describe it any way you want to but where did you come from man (laughs) (laughs) i was honestly speechless and i'm i'm not one usually short on words but by the end of that show I, i i couldn't express anymore what had happened you know it's funny when i planned for 
PAX Unplugged to be sort of the debut of Happy Camper and also for Trio's U.S. public debut, I had thought, okay, well, what do I need to bring? What do I need to do to make that be a success? And looking back through previous numbers of games that I'd sold in other iterations, I thought, oh, you know, if I if I bring 300 copies of Trio and I could sell 100 a day, that would be a that'd be a huge home run given what that show's about. And the fact that I had to by the end of the first day call and ask for someone to bring more games the second day because I was going to run out, I was just gobsmacked the whole thing. And so some of it may be that people want to come and be nice to me, and I'm so deeply grateful about that. But I also think that there's something magical about the game. Uh, I think Trio really has that je ne sais quoi that I look for in a great family game that families love playing it, gamers love playing it, kids love playing it. It really, from the moment I first laid my eyes on that game and I saw what it did in a group and it was under a different iteration, I was like, oh, there's something special here. And then when my partner in France, because I'm basically the U.S. publisher for it, it's you know the the worldwide rights are held by Cocktail Games out of France, and I've been long colleagues with the folks there. When I had heard from the owner of Cocktail, Mathieu, that Trio had sold over a hundred thousand copies in France last year, I was like, wow, that's wow. pretty incredible. I was like, hold my beer or hold my <laughs> non-alcoholic beer. Um, I know, the, I know the other. So. We'll see. I mean, um, I have a long, long way to go in that regard, but uh, the response that I saw at PAX Unplugged was so fantastic that I, I have nothing but high hopes for its future, both for Happy Camper and for its time here in the U.S. market. So let's talk about Happy Camper as a company, because you're doing something kind of cool with Happy Camper. I mean, this is a it's not just a name. Right. I know that there's kind of been a over, I think the last decade, it's been like, you know, adjective animal. (laughs) It's kind of been the formula for how you, how you build a a game company, but happy camper is not just, by the way, the other name that I was going to call the game was preoccupied porcupine game. So I don't know if if that was, if I should have gone that way, you'll have to have your listeners. Let me know. Preoccupied porcupine. I think think being unique is good. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so Happy Camper means something to you. So talk about it. It very much does. So when I was thinking about what this venture would be, I really dug deep into who I am as a person, who I've become. And one theme kept coming back over and over again, which was how much summer camp played such a critical role in establishing who I am as a person, but also... um, really solidifying my love for games. I mean, my I, I have deep memories of when I was a young child, first learning some of the classic card games, not only classic card games, but games that would wind up going become, you know, family favorites when I was a summer, uh, summer camper. So as I was concepting what this new venture would be and, you know, preoccupied porcupine kind of went further and further down the list, what kept bubbling up was this sense of camp. And then, you know, it was on, a, I think it was on a trip I can't exactly remember where, but I was I was on a hike and all of a sudden the, the phrase happy camper came out. I was like, oh, that just seems so right, so organic and um, so tied into who I am. So I just leapt into it. You know, when you start a new venture or, or you're part of anything, as you know from making family gamers, it's just you, you, this becomes your identity. So you really want whatever you build or whatever you make whatever you call yourself to be something you're going to be able to wake up every morning and be proud of. So I, I came up with the concept of Happy Camper and the name of it, but usually for me, I need to think about it for a few days. And it was just one of those names that 
kept on coming back over and over and over again. I couldn't stop. So I knew that it was the right mm. fit for what I was about to, the journey I was about to go on. Awesome. And um, sure. with it comes a sort of, I would say, subcorporate values. W- one being that the games that we make have to be for families, have to kind of make you think about what it's like to be back at camp, back in your summer experiences. For those of those, those of you who have had them, for those who hadn't, we wanted to do something to really allow more people to experience camp. So built into the mission of the company is a charitable way of giving back to the community, and that is through camp scholarships. So for all the games that we sell, portions of the proceeds of games are going to go to support summer camp scholarships so more kids can experience the wonder of camp. That's phenomenal. I know that I loved summer camp, and as soon as you said that the games that you're coming out with as Happy Camper Games should make you think back to that, I could immediately see it with Trio does feel very much like something I could have played at summer camp back in the day. Right. It seems like something that would be like in a bunk and the kids would play it. And um, like with a lot of experiences at camp, they just discover something and just get into it. And I could see Trio being the kind of game that has that bunk craziness. It would have been slightly more wholesome than than the card (laughs) games we were actually playing. Yeah, like... You know, spit or a couple of games that we can't repeat the names of on the right. show. Right. I was gonna yeah. yes. Yeah. I was yeah. gonna say the same thing. I know this is a family show, so yeah. there's some games that I could but yeah. But I, I love the fact one of the things I really like about Trio as a game is that there is very clearly strategy in this game. Right. Like you're you're looking for the lowest or the highest, and you gotta figure out maybe how to winnow your own cards down so that you can get to something because you have two out of the three cards of a set or something, and you've seen someone reveal or you've seen someone flip over that other card. So there is strategy there. But the game moves so quickly and the stakes are low enough that as soon as you're done, you're like, All right, let's run it back and do it again. Right. And that is exactly right. Yeah. That is you know what it is, is like, all right, shuffle those cards because we're we're going we're going again. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a number of games that we've all played that were great to play once in an evening and then say, well, that was really fun. I'd like to come back to that another evening. But there's very well, we, few games yeah, that you yeah. want to just come back to in the same evening and play over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's what, yeah. and that's really what I love about this game and kind of what I'm going to be looking for in more Happy Camper games is this sense of portability, this sense of almost instantaneous repeat play value. Uh, I know that's like jargony. It's you know we started to get into like what I call inside ski ball, you know, which is like <laughs> saying things like repeat yeah. play value. But anyway, um, uh, but that that's an important thing that I really want to um, focus on because with it with a happy camper game, it's got to be something that you could throw in a backpack, you could take with you hiking, you could take with you when you go camping or on a trip. But it's also a game that you should just be able to pull out at any time and not feel like you've got to spend minutes, hours trying to explain the nuances of the game. Nothing against those games. Those, those games have an incredible meaning in the, in, the, in the larger world of board gaming. But for Happy Camper, it's just got to be uh, almost an instantaneous get or close to it. Right. Uh, yeah. That being said, it's kind of funny how the, the rules of Trio are fairly straightforward. But there's a couple of things that just catch people up every single time, even experienced gamers, namely the fact that you can, you yourself can only play your lowest or highest card. Mm -hmm. Uh, That comes back over and over again that I have to kind of correct people like, nope, you can't do that because you've got another card in the way. You can only play those edge cards, the lowest or the highest card. Mm -hmm. Yep. So and for those who haven't played the game, I'm sorry, I don't want to get into the weeds here about the (laughs) rules of it, but uh, you'll, you'll have to experience it for yourself the next time you open up and play the game. I've definitely been tempted to do that. Like I would see a set that's available and I'm like, oh, I can, oh, I can't. And that's kind of what I was saying before with the strategy of 
trying to peel off the ends of your hand sure. to get to something that you you know is in the middle. Mm-hmm. And for adults, I, I've made this joke a number of times on the show. Our son is really good at memory games because he doesn't have all that much stuff he's got to keep in his head. But for adults, we've got so many things that we're trying to keep track of that it's a lot harder. And so, you know, if I've got to wait three or four turns before I leverage some piece of information that I found out in the tableau, it's probably not going to be there when I need it. No, right. (laughs) I find myself um, actually going back to the summer camp thing. The game that I played the most at summer camp was we'll call it Bull. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I was going to mention that, and, that name uh, yeah <laughs> uh and i find myself when playing trio as soon as i see a piece of information that i know is important to me to make a set just like when i was playing those games back in the day i'd be like oh i need to i need to focus on that and mm-hmm. like remember that and focus all my memory on that and also do it in a way that doesn't go like oh yeah. everybody <laughs> i have a thing yeah yeah it's a little no bit of one that can kind know. Of, it's a little bit of that poker misdirection, right? Yeah, exactly. Just Definitely hold that information inside. Definitely it's so good. It's so good. Man, camp. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, oh, you know, every time June rolls around in my house, I just kind of like I start vibrating. Like, is camp coming? Camp coming? And I'm like, yeah. oh no, nope, shoot, I'm beyond those days. You know, I mean, here's what I'll say though, and you know, you're in Massachusetts, like we are. I would say find yourself a good state campground yeah that that you're okay with and book a weekend and just the only thing you really need to do is put up a hammock the rest of it is is gravy right like you could sleep in your car it doesn't matter but well you gotta have your s'mores man you gotta get a light of fire too yeah there has to be a fire absolutely okay so now no the words have come out so now i have to ask jason the question you mentioned green team wins before (laughs) one of my favorite questions Uh oh yes i know that one yes you know it which we just did it this past weekend yeah i mean it's clearly the marshmallow it's the marshmallow okay so this is interesting see yeah i i agree with you because i think that the other stuff they might have stronger flavors, but they're the, the marshmallow is the thing that makes a s'more a s'more. Mm. Right. Have you ever made a s'more with a Reese's peanut butter cup? No, but that sounds delicious. It's pretty amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty amazing. Is that a legit? Because I consider it a s'more, though. That, that, there's some, they're probably purists out there. But like, that's not a s'more. Well, you S'mores know, are just like I a mean, Hershey's chocolate bar and right. a graham cracker from Nabisco. Right. And it's got to well, be that, a yeah. Mr. Well, Stay Puff marshmallow. They would hate the fact that these days I grab uh, fancy dark chocolate to make yeah, mm. right. Right. Absolutely. Or no, delicious. it's got to be. Slide a, a couple of those, the, the Giardelli squares in my pocket. So we go wow. out. And, you and guys really to... are fancy. No, not for me. I'm just trying to get on any. Oh, not side. for me. Right. And I just. Just doing it for a quote unquote friend. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to advocate for gatekeeping on mm-hmm. sports. <laughs> But I am entirely in agreement with Jason. I think it's the marshmallow that makes the s'more the s'more. Yeah. So I'm glad we agree. Great. Totally. Like uh, I'll be waiting for all your people to at you that you're wrong. That's okay. That's okay. We can all decide together by making s'mores and eating them. I'm keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking That's right here, guys. Like, s'more. have you thought of like maybe? <laughs> how about a family gamers camper like extravaganza, like the summer, like you know, pick a weekend and somewhere in one of the upstate Massachusetts woods. Make all your fans come out for a big family gamers hangout gameathon. I'm down. Lots of games. I'm down. If people want to pre-register, I'll even pay for the campgrounds. I don't care. There you go. I mean, they're cheap. It's like twenty bucks a night. Who cares? That would be go. awesome. 
that'd be a blast. But we actually do. We bring a whole bag of games with us when we go on the. We do a camping trip with a bunch of our, our church friends. Oh, and nice! So every night, uh, as long as it's not pouring rain. There are at least three big gamers yes. in this group yeah. of friends. So every one of the three of us brings big bags of games. Yeah, yeah. I've got like a, one of those game tables bags full. Just totally full. It's funny, when I was concepting the visual for Happy Camper, of course, some of the images that came to mind were like pulling together like a tent or a fireplace or to your point, like a s'mores or marshmallows. And at the end of the day, I came to the conclusion that I didn't want to have it be so literal that I wanted it to evoke the feeling of being a happy camper without putting people in a like a little headspace of what that was about. So if you look through all of the literature and the visuals for the brand, it's just it's it's a it's I think it's a strong and whimsical and evocative font, but none that really shouts camping or summer camp. Because to different people, being a happy camper means something else. I mean, I know it's got the word camper in it or camp. So there's hopefully a strong summer association of some point. But whether it actually means summer camp or whether it means, you know, glamping uh, or, you know, car camping or... Band camp. Exactly. (laughs) Any of it could be any of that. Camp is a very personal thing. So I wanted to kind of keep it open in that respect. And we'll see. I will see how it evolves. Well, I also think, I mean, you've clearly got the play on words as well, right? Like, oh, I'm just a happy camper, you know, yeah. um, which I just think is brilliant and it's fun. And, uh, you know, I yeah. I love it. And I, I think that it does a great job of embodying the spirit with which you specifically approach games and thank you uh, what you're really going for. And so, I, I mean, it just like it's, it's a very seamless kind of a thing. And, you know, I, I just... I'm just going to call back one more time to yeah. kind of the the PAX Unplugged situation, experience, whatever we want to call it. I don't even yeah. know. PAX Unplugged experience. Uh, it was surreal. I think yeah, that, you know, I think, I don't think it was quite surreal for me, but I can very much understand how it was surreal for you because you were hip deep in it the whole time. I remember going, because one of the things that I do, because I'm me, is uh, I go through the publisher list at Unplugged and I make a, a very detailed list with highlighting and notes and stuff about who I want to make sure to visit. And, da, 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 da. and I very explicitly remember coming across Happy Camper on the exhibitor list and saying, who the heck is this? I have no idea who this is. I'll who put a line on it about? because, you know, I can't say no, but like, I don't, because like, I don't know, tabletop accessories off the list, right? I don't care about that stuff. And then I saw, I think a Facebook post or something. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm going to need to go check this out. Right. So, the dots are starting to connect here. Yeah, What's going yeah. on here in Eastern Massachusetts? Yeah. And then a testament to the awesomeness was that I'm, I'll just say it like this. The friends who came down to help out mm. was cool. It was just, yeah, incredible. The fact yeah. that I got to hang out with people and former colleagues that are so dear to me that came out to support out of the goodness of their heart. Uh, still to this day, I can't thank them enough for it. So it was really, it was really just such an amazing experience. I will be at PAX East with a similar booth. And I know it's not the same experience as Unplugged, but I hope those who could not make it out to PAX Unplugged will come check out the trio happy camper experience at PAX East. It'll be almost identical, except in a different location. With, um, <laughs> louder. It'll be louder. It'll be louder. It There'll will be, be more louder. boops and beeps and things like that. Yeah. Yes. They're the, the ceilings are slightly higher maybe i don't know uh the focus will be a little bit less on tabletop but also i think the energy there is great as well i've always loved that show so 
I'm looking forward to coming back and playing with everybody there. All right. I have two more questions. Yeah. And the first yeah. one, the first one is a question you can absolutely demure and, and, and refuse to answer. That is totally okay. Go. Can you give right. us anything on this game? <laughs> <laughs> like, Ooh, like, you were persistent. Yeah, you're of persistent. course. <laughs> like, like, what? just, is it like, like set collection, resource management? You can say, I'd rather not talk about it. And I, I promise I'll stop. But I, I, that, that. I'm trying to think about how to phrase this. Um, no, <laughs> I'll just say this: zero gravity environment. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> Shucks, we're right. we're breaking new frontiers here. Um, no, I think it's a game that people like. Trio has a certain familiarity to it. When you jump into it, like, oh, this is just like, but wait a second, it's really not. And it's a great group game. Mm. So those are the things that I've really um, have sort of latched onto. And I saw that with Trio is that Trio is a card-based game, but in my opinion, it's actually a great party game. Mm -hmm. Because it's a game that you break out. It's really wonderful with four people, six people it shines. And this new game, this next game really has a similar element to it in that regard that it really works well as a it's a game where everybody's in it the whole time and it's semi-cooperative which is weird it's got a sort oh, of a frenemy a frenemy okay. nature to it mm-hmm. all right yep, yep. you, you kind of want to help each other out but at the end of the day you're really in it for yourself so right that's, awesome. i'll leave it like that all right well just let me know if you need any playtesters. <laughs> we'll do we'll do <laughs> and we will clear a spot on our, our review calendar for late november Please based, do. Based on current projections. <laughs> Please do. Yes. <laughs> All right. And my last question. So I know that at one point you were so completely sold out of Trio. Is it back? When is it? You say, I think you said January. Yep. So the games are right now sitting in quarantine in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> and with any luck, I will have them available by the 15th of January. Certainly, okay. if not soon after. I'm just hopeful that the customs clearance folks are going to be shining a kind light upon me. So that all I can do, I can't grease the wheels any more than they've already been greased. So we'll just wait and see. But I'm confident that I will have them before there is a new. Well, I should say that I was, I was, I was, I was confident before there's a changing of the guard in our in our government. But now they'll be way way before that. Before yeah, that should be one, one can only hope. And there is an <laughs> awful lot of grease in New Jersey already. So oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> right. Hey, you're so, wait a second. I take that personally. I'm from Jersey, and I'm I'm a New Jersey apologist. New Jersey is the greatest freaking state in the nation. It is. <laughs> And I would have, be, being that I'm from New Jersey, I would have subbed in another word for freaking because I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> but no, I. Um, Are you I grew from up northern in New, New Jersey or southern New Jersey? I am from, I guess, north central, right? About okay. 30 minutes west of Manhattan. Okay. 40, 30, 40 minutes. So All right, cool. uh, I no longer I live there. Say, but- Mercer County is beautiful. <laughs> there's something i mean new jersey really is the garden state people give it such a bad rap because again like i always say to people who live in the new england area like if your experience of massachusetts was driving up and down route one you would think probably as negatively about massachusetts as people think about new jersey that it's is just a that, fair critique yeah that is it's a just fair that, critique. Like, it's just that route one's 
they did a good job of tucking it neatly away from where most people travel. Whereas the Garden State Parkway and the New Jersey Turnpike are like right smack down the middle, like the artery of New Jersey. So everybody uh-huh. travels down and sees the, you know, the what what do they they call as the armpit of America. <laughs> but there are amazing parts of Jersey. One of my favorite camps is in New Jersey. My my, my favorite day camp that I grew up uh, going to when I became a counselor to is in a beautiful part of New Jersey, Camp Riverbend. So people go out there, spend some time in, in Jersey. Soak up the Garden State for all its beauty. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Who knew we were going to end up with like a, a New Jersey apologist at the end of the show? I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Totally. And it's no coincidence <laughs> that like when I had an opportunity to choose who I was going to partner up with for my warehouse, like there was, an, there was an opportunity to partner with a company based in New Jersey. I was like, I am definitely going with you. <sighs> Man, Jersey I, love my you, I love how you live what you speak. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I love it. Well, Jason, this has been super fun. I'm so glad that we could finally get together and connect. It's and an honor to be on the podcast. I feel like this is like a high water check mark for me that I got to oh be boy. on the family game. Yeah, Aww. well, you guys are Aww. seriously. <laughs> you you do so much to help promote great games for families throughout the industry, and you've got such a a great sense of what makes a good family game. So. Mm. Your your curators, you're also the kind of people who know, you know, get behind something. You've got a great enthusiasm for a strong product. So yep. well, thank you. Thanks. See now we yeah. feel awkward. <laughs> oh, it's like total kumbaya moment, guys. It's- <laughs> we can hold hands next time we see each other. Yeah. Good. Well, Jason, where so we talked all about this game trio. Um, where can people find and our our review for trio, by the way, will probably be coming out in the next couple of weeks. I should say that. We played yes. so much of this game. Oh my goodness. Clearly You're sick of have, it. We have no, <laughs> no, not we're no, not sick of no. it. No. This is one of those games that's probably gonna come with us like pretty much everywhere we go. Uh, like, wow. Yeah. Flattered. Um, yeah. But um where can people pick it up? So I would say the best place to start would be going to the Happy Camper website, which is happycamper.games. I was lucky enough to get that domain. So happycamper.games. And that will point you to a number of places, including your friendly local game stores and toy stores. We're big believers in supporting local at Happy Camper, the local retail community. Your local retailers are, you know, desperately need your support. So I would say first and foremost, go there. You could, of course, try to get it. Come find it uh, at an event like PAX Unplugged or PAX East, or actually I'll also be at Gen Con later this year. And then, of course, online, it should be available. Mm-hmm. So um, more and more games available as the year uh, goes on. So the distribution will be growing from that point. Awesome. Awesome. And I mean, this is this is $15 for a whole lot of fun with your family. So mm-hmm. I can't uh, I can't more strongly recommend Trio. There's a little preview of the Snap Review right there. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Anisha, where can people find the family gamers? Well, I would recommend that you start with our website, thefamilygamers.com. We've got 300 and I've already forgotten how many, 363 podcast episodes there. We've got over 500 reviews. We've got all kinds of tips and helpful information for parents and other adults who are interested in playing games with the kids in their lives. Mm -hmm. But you can also find us all over social media <laughs> at Family Gamers AA. It's Facebook, Twitter, X, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at Family Gamers AA. Of course, you can join the Family Gamers community by heading to Facebook, searching for the Family Gamers community, or going to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. And if Facebook is not your thing, we would love to see more faces in the Family Tabletop community on Discord. Uh, we share that with 
JP from Little Big Thumbs and a few other content creators who focus on tabletop games for families. Mm -hmm. The easiest way you can get an invite to get there is thefamilygamers.com slash discord. So since the word came up, would we define ourselves as frenemies or just friends? <laughs> With who? The people in the tabletop community. Just friends. just friends. We all okay. support each other there. Okay, it's, but frenemy yes. is such a it's, fun word. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a very kumbaya, like, yes, we okay. are all in this together. All right, you're pulling more of those words from the previous part yes. of the podcast. Okay, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> of course, you can always email us, Andrew, at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. I will confess that there were some moments in this podcast where I was looking at some Happy Campers merch, because I think I'm going to pick up some Happy Campers merch. Uh. But we also have Family Gamers merch. You can head over to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch to check out our Family Gamers and play games with your kids or A Balanced Life merchandise. We've got it on t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and more. So head over to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. I'm wearing my Family Gamers hoodie right now. It is nice and comfy in this slightly chilly office. Looks great. I like it. If you liked this interview and would like to hear more, please don't forget to subscribe to the Family Gamers podcast wherever it is that you find your podcasts. and. It would be super helpful if you could leave a review for this podcast at wherever it is you subscribe. Although Apple podcast is still sadly the king of podcast reviews. I don't know if it's sadly. I mean, it's fine, but you know, we just uh, encourage you to go there. I don't like Apple podcast anymore, but that's okay. (laughs) Anyway, you can find us if you don't like Apple podcast anywhere. uh, Really, you can find us on Amazon music, tune in Spotify, Whatever. I, we're, we're, we're on all the things, or at least a, as many of them as I know. Any podcast catcher app. Yeah, anything. <laughs> One uh, little teaser for next week. For our next show, episode 364, we will be announcing a new giveaway. So that's pretty yes. exciting. So you should definitely listen in. We'll have a game that we'll be giving away and a fun little announcement linked to that giveaway. So you definitely mm-hmm. want to pay attention to what we're doing with episode 364. And that'll be at the end of January. Mm-hmm. In the meantime... I would be remiss if I did not remind you that the Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Thanks so much to the team over at First Move Financial for being super awesome people, super awesome partners, all those things. We're really, really thankful. And sponsoring us for many, many years. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been a while um, and we appreciate it. Jason, this has been super fun. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm so thankful that we could finally get you on. I, I really look forward to all of our opportunities to chit chat and talk and, and whatever. So um, thanks again for coming on the show. Well, the gratitude goes both ways, gang. I really am appreciative of the opportunity to be here and to spend some time with you, talk about games, laugh, and hopefully we'll see you in person down the road at a show. All right. I think we'll be at PAX East. Maybe not together. We usually one off that one. And I know it's a family show, but if you'd like to get a regular beer together, I'm sure we could pull that off. (laughs) That'd be great. (laughs) All right. So everybody else, I'm probably not going to have a beer with you, but um, keep playing those games. So until next week, everyone, play Play games games with with your kids. kids.